Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. My name is Daniel Michael. I'm the founder and co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network, and we'll be back in just a moment. Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten History Divination Magic Cryptozoology UFOs Nature Science And Spirit All this and more Right here On the Main Street Universe Radio Network Blessed Medicine with your host, Ms. Susan Weed, the master herbalist who talks about psychology of healing as well as herbal medicine, as well as her books that you can find right here on the page. And this can as well, I want to remind everybody, because people have been asking me this a lot recently. They say, oh, I missed it live. Can I catch the archive? Well, what I call the magical time machine, that is the archive listen, can be listened to any time on the same exact link. It's very simple. One of the nice things about the BTR is that the accessibility is quite simple. You just click on the same blue link and listen, or you can download it and listen to it in another format, including on little iPhones and devices and all these things that are out there today. And again, our network is expanding and Sundays we will have the return of Queen Mother Imaku, as Darren's show went from Sunday to Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Darren Bouquer, that is. He's a reader at Marie Lovell's House of Voodoo in the magical city of New Orleans. And Queen Mother Imaku, who has just found a physical building for her new temple, so congratulations to her on that, and or a physical place anyway. And I hope that all works out for her. And she'll be returning to the Main Street Universe Radio Network, as well as a few rotating once a month hosts, including Mary Phelan, who's been on television now for 15 years doing telepathic TV with her co-host and partner, Neville Johnston. And Neville wrote a pretty nice book about the empowerment of language and using language properly. And Mary has been doing this metaphysical thing locally here in Northern Virginia for a long time. So Mary will be returning once a month on Saturdays, and Queen Mother Maku will be returning on Sundays. And I see Susan is in the queue, and I want to welcome her. Welcome, Susan Weed. Green blessings to you. 
And green blessings to you as well. <clears throat> How are you doing this week? Very well, actually. Well, I'm sitting here with my calendar. <clears throat> Do you have your calendar at hand? Holidays. <laughs> Holidays are coming up, aren't they? So, um, <clears throat> you know that I usually... Excuse me, do this call with you after my own blog talk show. Yes. And because of the holidays, we've canceled my blog talk show for next Tuesday. So it would be convenient and easy for me to cancel with you for next Tuesday as well. But if that makes life miserable for you, I will call you at our (laughs) appointed time of 10 o'clock next Tuesday. Um, I will cry, but I think I will get over it. <laughs> All right, good. So <clears throat> I will have next Tuesday as a holiday. Then I will be with you on December 30th mm-hmm. and on January 6th. But I won't be with you on January 13th or 20th because I will be in Costa Rica leading a Costa Rica healing adventure. I remember that from last year, about that time of year. Yes. So, in January, we'll be together on the 6th and the 27th, but not the 13th and the 20th. Okay. I'm writing it down. Good. Um, And also the 20th is, in fact, my birthday, Aquarius. (gasps) Happy birthday. Ooh, right on the cusp. Yes. (laughs) Earth air. (laughs) A strange combination. Earth air, right. They're so opposite. It's like one's way up floating above everything, and one's entrenched into the, you know, know, (laughs) mother, you know, if you will. Well, I I feel like kinship to that as well, being um, with my sun sign being Aquarius, which is an air sign, and my moon sign being Taurus, which is an earth sign. And I often say, well, my feet are on the ground, and my head is in the air, and aren't you glad it isn't the other way around? (laughs) <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> for everybody, exactly. We don't call it grounded. <clears throat> we call it the hanged one in the tarot <clears throat> when we are the other way, the head to, to the earth and the feet up to the air. It's a it's a, a, a place to be, but not a place we want to, <clears throat> if you'll excuse me, hang out for long. Right. Right. Sacrificial, you know. A sacrificial rather thing, yes. So last week we talked about birch, yes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually today in Woodstock, I was in Woodstock doing some errands. And I met a woman and she said, oh, she said, I I heard that show where you talked about uh, the trees and the moon. She said, and you did all this complicated math. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, let me go over that again um, because it's not complicated at all. And I certainly wouldn't want to leave anyone with the misunderstanding that it was complicated. So let's start here. There are how many months in our year? Twelve. And how many weeks in a month? Four. Four, okay. And four times twelve, here's the complicated math, is how much? Um, whatever the calculator says. <laughs> 48. 1 times 4 is 4. 2 times 4 is 8. 48. How many, how many weeks are there in a year? 52. 
Is 48 the same as 52? No. No. And the difference between them is four weeks, yes? Or another month. So they're actually 13 moots in a year. And month, of course, does come from moon. And a moose is one lunation. So there are 13 new moons in a year. And that's why there are trees of the 13 moons. And not 12. And birch is one of the first of them. And we talked about birch last week and some of the ogum um, attributes of it. And we got a little into talking about some practical uses and some medicinal uses, but there are lots more. I was wondering if you um, had done anything with birch over the past week. Um, No, I have not, but I have made some infusions, including um, dandelion root and nettle. So I did make a few herbal infusions this week. Oh, good for you. Yeah. How did that go? Did you enjoy those? The nettle ones, I felt like after a couple weeks, I think I would said to you before, I fell out of the habit and came back. And it actually felt like, like my vision improved a little bit. My energy levels improved. Mm. Dandelion I just started because I figured good for the liver and all of that. And um, it had a surprisingly, I remember the aroma of it was a little bit sweet and almost nutty a little bit. I don't know if you ah. had. Yes. Yeah, the high, the nuttiness is high, that high protein. Hmm. But birch, no, I hadn't worked. I I took kung fu one time when I was younger, and the place called itself. And he said, the guy said, "Well, I'm an American now, so I'm naming after a church." And it was, uh, I mean, birch, <laughs> and, and he called it white birch. So he said he named it after a tree. Uh, oh, how beautiful! Yeah. <clears throat> I often think of Birch's ability to bend under snow weight. Mm. You know, there's this amazing flexibility to, to the wood. And so during during the week, I went just to, you know, consult a few other sources about Birch and see what else I could learn about Birch. And what I found was quite astonishing to me, and that is that Birch wood is considered to be a hardwood. I always thought of it as kind of soft because it rotted so easily. But it says, in fact, it is quite difficult to work with hand tools. Mm. And that this is one of the reasons that birch is often cut up into thin slices and used as veneers and laminates because it's so hard to work and then, of course, some of the sources got like into a whole lot of detail, which I personally found quite fascinating, about the different kinds of birch wood veneers that were available from 
different varieties of birch. And that some some birch veneer has like really nice ripple patterns in it. And others has uh, almost decorative uh, streaks and things in it. And these come from different varieties of birch. And that in some places in um, old Europe, birch was called the watching tree. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's almost a little scary though, isn't it? Yeah, in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, in a fun way because it does, it has those like eye-like images in it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like the eyes of the birch. Like maybe we don't need birches to watch us anymore because now we have so many TV cameras watching us. <laughs> <laughs> but birch plywood is considered to be one of the strongest and most Stable of all plywoods. And I think back to, you know, to what I said, like, just from my common knowledge, oh, yeah, you know, all of those older trailers, right, that people would take camping um, in the 50s um, and even some into the 60s, and I'm learning even some now, had birch veneer cabinetry in them, and that's because it really stands up to the jostle, jostle, of the road. And speaking of jostle, jostle, guess which wood is preferred for making skateboards? I would guess birch. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, There you go. It's that flexibility, you know, that incredible strength that it has. Yeah. And yet that ability to bend. And so early... Airplanes were sometimes made of birch wood. For those reasons. Now, one of the the more arcane uses of birch that I learned very early on from a forest ranger was that you could tap birches and get the sap just like you can tap maples. Hmm. That I did not see in looking things up. I found some other medicinal things, but I did not see that, so that's cool. And I was all goggle-eyed when he said that. I said, oh, my gosh, you can, like, make birch syrup? And he said, you can indeed. But unlike the maple, the birch can't heal a wound, and it bleeds to death. So you go and you drill a hole in a maple, and the maple sap comes pouring out of the hole, right? Well, not pouring, dripping out of the hole. Right. Drip, drip, drip. Right? It doesn't really pour out. It's not like opening a tap, but it it drips out. And one of the difficulties of making maple syrup is keeping your holes open because the tree wants to heal it. And big commercial maple syrup uh, manufacturers actually put a formaldehyde pellet in the hole to keep it from closing up until they're done sugaring. Ooh, one of the reasons to get organic maple syrup, absolutely. It's all peaceful. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, thanks for the formaldehyde. Yeah. <laughs> all of the things 
so, but the birch can't close the hole up. It just the sap juice keeps running out and running out. And I, I'm here to say that from my experience, that that information that that forest ranger gave me is absolutely true. There's a a black birch um, or a wintergreen birch. They smell just amazing when you break the twigs. They smell just like wintergreen. Uh, close to where my house is. And so I often take students to this particular birch tree in the spring when we talk about spring tonics. And it, the, some of the branches bend low, and with a little long reach, we can reach up and grab some and break off the twigs early in the spring when they're at the height of their winter greeny, yummy smell and taste. And most of the time, we're taking little twigs, the smallest of twigs, but every once in a while, someone will, usually by accident, as I say, we have to like kind of tippy-toe up and reach up to grab even the lowest branch, someone will grab and will accidentally break off a larger branch, and that branch will continue to drip sap for the duration of the sap run, mm. making sure, a, a bigger and bigger puddle in my driveway. And if it wasn't in the middle of my driveway, I would put a pot under it and collect it. (laughs) (laughs) But it being in the driveway makes it a little bit difficult. (laughs) Every day. The the Russians make something called birch tar. And I... haven't researched deeply enough to find out how they made it, but it is said to have been a lot like plastic in its usefulness. And that that it was like, and everything, like you could use it as glue, you could glue like feathers onto arrows, or glue like a rope onto something, or use it as a caulk. Um, It was flexible in the cold and yet would hold together in the heat, um, that it was completely waterproof. It could be used to make a waterproof cut. I mean, on and on. It's like birch tar. What an amazing thing. And then I keep reading, it's also used medicinally because it's a disinfectant. So my admiration grows. For this wonderful, wonderful tree. It is so beautiful. And um, I think we talked, maybe just briefly, last week about the fact that birch is considered diuretic. In other words, it's an herb that can help us pee. And whenever I use the word diuretic, I... uh, I have a little like kind of treaty that goes along with it. And it's this. Herbalists made up a great many terms to describe the actions of the herbs. And when an herb made us pee, herbalists called it a diuretic. Those words, as shall we say, herbalism grew up and became pharmacy and drugs, went along with it and soon referred to the drugs. So we now have diuretic drugs. When you say diuretic to a medical professional, they will immediately think diuretic drug. And diuretic drugs have, while they have some 
helpful benefits. They can lower blood pressure. Um, they also tend to be mineral disturbers, and especially disturbing to potassium in the body, but a host of minerals are disturbed by diuretic drugs. However, we find almost all the time, and I personally can't think of an exception, that when an herb is a diuretic, it is an herb that is very rich in minerals and is very healthy and helpful to the kidneys. So when we say that birch leaves are a diuretic, we do not mean that birch leaves are like a drug and will cause the same effects that a diuretic drug will. We mean that birch leaves can improve the functioning of the kidneys and thus help to clear excess fluid from the water, from the body, which, yes, will also lower blood pressure. Now, how about this one? Ground birch bark fermented in seawater is then used as a soak for Sails and rope, hmm. and especially when those sails and rope were made with plant fibers, right? Right. So if you had a boat, your sail was made of what? It was made of wool, or it was made of linen, or it was made of hemp, or it was made of cotton. Think about any of those things if you put them out in the rain. They're going to start molding up almost instantly. We're talking about a sail here that's going to be out in the salt water. Talk about abuse, right, and get rained on. And then what kind of ropes were you going to use? Well, usually hemp was used for rope, but other things as well. I think in all of them plant fibers, which in the you know presence of water start to rot and mold. And so they ground up the birch bark, right, which is very antibacterial, and then fermented it in seawater. I'm I'm just trying to imagine what that would have been like, right? First of all, it would not have smelled good. Right? (laughs) We're talking about that somewhere off by the ocean, not up by people's houses, because this definitely would not have smelled good. And then all of these sails, like you would have to have such a big vat to put these sails in. I, for an entire summer, lived in canvas, cotton canvas tents. And the reason I say tents is they rotted out from under and over me in the Catskills in this moist environment, usually within 30 days. Yes, most tents now are made of ripstop nylon, aren't they? Yeah. And sails for boats are mostly nylon now, too. And the ones that are canvas have a mold proofing in them. But, you know, if technology fails, I don't think it will, but if it will, and you have to go back to sending for yourself, you now know how to do it. Grind up your birch bark, ferment it in seawater, and dump your sail and your rope in there, and they will be rot-resistant. So interesting. I didn't think it was going to go to ship sales tonight, so I'm I'm glad you did that. (laughs) (laughs) Birch sap, I found out, Um, keeping kind of along the theme of the birch sap, is actually a traditional drink in really northern places like northern Russia, Europe, and northern China. And this, of course, is because birch trees are prolific and much more common than other trees as you get into higher altitudes and colder temperatures. 
So in these very cold places, they would have a lot of birch trees and tapping them for sap and some of them dying probably with, would be within the okay boundaries of where they are. What I didn't know was that to this day, birch sap is still bottled and sold commercially in these places. Huh. Yeah. Now, birch bark is the part that we really focused on before, last last week when we were talking about it. I just kind of dismissed the wood and really focused in on the bark. And so this week I tried to give us at least a few ideas of, the, oh, yeah, the, you know, the wood is useful. It's not just something to rot out and leave the bark. But we do need to come back around ultimately to the bark um, because it's most used. And there's a, an interesting woman named Frances Densmore who spent time in um, native um, cultures and native villages around the Great Lakes area. And she found that one of the decorative skills that the women practiced on and almost competed with each other around was bitten birch bark patterns. Hmm. And they would deftly fold thin pieces of birch bark and then bite them with different teeth, leaving different bite marks in the birch bark, which when opened up, and she has pictures of dozens of them, look like incredible mandalas or snowflakes. Yes, you know, when when we look at how people interact with plants and the imagination of the human being, that the human can look at, at something like birch bark and say, hmm, not only could I write on that, I could bite it. And in biting it, and they don't bite. It's not like they're biting through it. It's not like you have a piece that's all full of holes. The bite just thins the bark where you bite so that the light shines through it. So beautiful. You know, it just makes one proud to be a human being. That we can and it also that. reminds of how competitive women can sometimes be with each other. <laughs> that too, that too. It's estimated that 20% of hay fever sufferers are really sensitive to birch pollen. Hmm. Hmm. Who would have thought in northern latitudes even more? And again, as we said, the colder and higher you get, the more birch trees you're going to find. They're really super hardy, and they grow up higher than many other uh, trees besides the, um, of course, the evergreen trees, which grow higher yet. But most people don't think of trees as producing pollen. It's kind of like they can imagine a tree making fruit and they can imagine a tree making nuts. 
but the backstory okay. escapes them a little bit, that the backstory to the fruit of the nut was a flower. And that trees, so far as we can figure out, are older than, than plants. And what I'm saying here is that so far as we can tell by the fossil record, and by the way trees behave today, trees were in existence on the planet for a long, long, long time before there were the smaller plants that we call the flowering plants. Now, trees do flower. I'm not saying they don't flower, but they have female trees and male trees. Mm. And if you're a gardener, especially if you garden fruit, you know this, because Many fruit trees now are self-fertile, but it used to be, and there are still some kinds of fruit trees where you have to be sure to get both male and female trees in order to actually get the fruit. So when we have plants in which there's male flowers on one plant and female flowers on another plant, you might ask how they do the deed. How do they get together? What happens here? And what happens is that the male flowers produce huge amounts of pollen, which is then blown by the wind, hopefully, over to the female flowers. And thus, those pollens become wind-borne allergens. The flowering plants that we think of with the bees humming around, don't put their pollen out into the air. They get the bees to carry their pollen around for them. And we think that this method of reproduction, just throwing your pollen into the air and hoping it gets over to the girl flowers, is a more ancient strategy. Than, than the flowering plants that use bees to carry the pollen from one plant to another and that generally have both male and female parts within the same plant. So it's not just the birch trees, it's the male birch trees that we have to blame for this. And once again, we have run ourselves right out of time here. Yes, we have. Always such a delight to share with you and to play with you. And I will miss you and everybody here on Main Street next week. But I will enjoy my little holiday and I will be back. And we'll see if we, uh, when we get back together again uh, nearly at the new year, if we have more to say about Birch, see what you found out about it by then and uh, whether or not we want to go on to the next tree. Beth? Louis Neon. Who is Louis? What's the next tree? Hmm. To be continued, the trees of the 13 moons. Here at the Main Street Universe. Green blessings and good night. And I want to remind everybody that herbal medicine is people's medicine. The medicine that grows right outside your door. All right, and thank you, Susan. And like 13 Moons, it reminds me of my favorite meditation uh, from Chris Penzak, where he does, he starts off with a 12 count and then a 13, 12 for the months of the year, 13 for the phases of the moon. And again, we'll be back, not next week, but we'll probably play a rerun with Green Magic, Green Medicine. And then the following week, we will 
return, maybe talking about birds. And I did hear something that I thought it was also uh, uh, the leaves and other things for skin conditions, but we'll talk about these things. Have a good evening, everyone. Thank you for listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine on the Matrix Universe Radio Network. My name is Daniel Michael, and tomorrow night we'll have Kevin Baird as our guest returning, who is creating a device to talk to the other side, sort of using electromagnetic sensors like you've seen on some of the TV shows. So it'll be a fun show discussing a little bit of paranormal investigation. We haven't done a show like that in a while, so that'll be a bit of fun. Uh, Everyone, have a great evening. You've been listening to Susan Weed, and again, her books can be found on the link of the show if you're listening in the magical time machine that is the archive listen later. It's attached to this page to check out her books. Have a great evening. Good night, and we'll be back on the air tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Forbidden Archaeology. Forgotten History divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Network.